Hello and welcome to the Numlock Podcast, a once-a-month cover of the Numlock Sunday edition. I'm Walt Hickey. Uh, this week, I am speaking to Joshua Dar. He is the author, along with his co-authors, of Home Style Opinion, How Local Newspapers Can Slow Polarization. It details a really, really cool study that he and his colleagues were able to carry out after the Desert Sun, a newspaper in Palm Springs, California, completely stripped out all national opinion columns from their daily newspaper. And it details basically the reverberations across how people viewed politics in that community after that little tiny change. It is a really, really cool book you should definitely check it out and i hope you enjoy the interview all right joshua dar thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it uh you wrote a really fun book all about how opinion journalism kind of reflects the communities that they're in. Do you kind of want to get into what the experiment that you tracked with the Desert Sun was? Sure. Uh, glad to be here. Um, yeah. So last in uh, June of 2019, uh, my my co-author, uh, Joanna Dunaway, I wrote this with her and uh, Matt Hitt of Colorado State. Um, she's at Texas A&M. Um, she got a Google alert that somebody mentioned our names, and it turned out that it was the executive editor of the Desert Sun in Palm Springs, um, who was referencing a, a previous paper we'd written about how when a local newspaper closes, uh, polarization in that area goes up. Uh, we we theorized that it was because people were reading more national news. And she said, well, we have national stuff on our opinion page, so why don't we just drop that? Uh, and so they, they decided to drop all their national opinion content for a month. And we were able to track that um, and write this book about not only how the content of that page changed and how local issues filled the void, but also how it changed the attitudes of people in that area. And and it was a really cool process. Awesome. So let's actually just take a step back a little bit and talk about what you researched. And so you mentioned you, an earlier study that you had done, kind of focusing on what happens after local news dies out. Can you tell me a little bit about your research and, and the stuff that you focus on? Sure. So yeah, I'm interested in, in local news and uh, sort of what role that plays in in people's political awareness, political opinions, and particularly because it's in such dire straits right now. Um, it, it can't be overstated, the decline in local news that was already happening and then was accelerated by, by the, the COVID pandemic. And so that paper looked at areas where local newspapers closed and split ticket voting. So whether you were likely to vote for you know a Democrat at one level and a Republican at another. And we found that in areas where uh, a local newspaper closed, there was uh, significantly less split ticket voting, about 1.9% less. So people were just voting straight party up and down. And um, and so that was, you know, we thought interesting and we weren't sure actually where to go next with the research agenda, but this experiment just sort of fell into our laps and we were very excited to be able to test what's basically the other side of that previous paper, which is not just what happens when local news goes away, but what happens when it actually gets more local, you know, when it actually strengthens in, in some ways by providing more local stuff to people? Uh, is that yeah. better? It's such a cool experiment design that, that as you just kind of mentioned, like it seemed to fall into your lap, but you guys really swept in quickly and, and managed to do some very cool stuff with it. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of how the experiment was carried out and, and, and what you were able to kind of monitor? 
Sure. So I have to give many thanks to the LSU IRB for being very quick to approve this, um, which, you know, you've got you to get IRB approval before any sort of survey or experiment like this, because we found out about it on June 8th, 2019, and the experiment started on July 1st. Um, so we had to get the surveys written and fielded with enough time to get the full, you know, 500 person sample before July began. And we just did get that done. Um, so that was that was very nice. We were very happy about that. Um, but it was, you know, as as political scientists, which we all are, you're trained to to keep a very close eye out for natural experiments in the world. And this immediately struck us as one. So it's the kind of thing where you just drop everything and get right to work on making sure you can measure something like this that's very cool. So the basic design of the experiment is we surveyed people in Palm Springs in the circulation zip codes where the, the desert sun circulated. And then we also measured, uh, we, we surveyed people in Ventura, uh, which is on the other side of LA and is also served by a Gannett newspaper, the Ventura County Star. They didn't change at all in July. So it's basically what we call a difference in differences model where one area changed something, the other area didn't. And then we can compare how the attitudes in those areas changed over the course of July. That's really interesting. So what precisely did this opinion page do? They dropped anything national politics, which meant dropping their national syndicated columnists, which were previously a pretty good chunk of their opinion page, you know, one or two syndicated columns a day, anything that mentioned President Trump. Uh, so that was a, quite a few letters, as you might imagine. Um, people were writing in about people were writing in about Trump and then they, those didn't get published in July. Uh, they warned people, but you know, those didn't get published in July. Um, and editorial cartoons, none of those either about national politics. So it was, it was just California and the Coachella Valley, uh, around Palm Springs for the entire month. Uh, and that meant more work for the opinion editor, quite frankly, because he had to be, uh, finding content to fill the pages, which meant soliciting the community. And whenever you have people that are writing in for the first time, that means you have to edit their work because they're not used to writing for newspapers. Um, so it was a, a good amount more work for, for the opinion editor at the time, but uh, I think they were all glad they did it. Yeah. And you, so you write about how there was a pretty considerable shift in the actual content that like something like 95% of it became California focused. Yeah. And before that, you know, we didn't really know what to expect um, in terms of either what the experiment would change or what they did before that, you know, and, and it turned out that really, and I don't think this is unique to them, but only less than half, around half of the opinion page before that was, was focused on California, you know, state and local topics. There was quite a bit of, of other stuff and of national politics. And so it went from like 40% to to right up around 95, as you mentioned. And so it was a, at least a doubling of the amount of local content that was there. It was, it was a very strong treatment, as we would say, methodologically. <laughs> um, and of course, the fact that Trump mentions dropped to zero was another part of that treatment from about one third of all pieces to about you know zero. Yeah. And then, so what kind of moved into its place? So this is, I think, where it gets to the uniqueness of Palm Springs. <laughs> uh, which is which is not your average community. Um, it's a it's a you know got a, a large LGBTQ plus community. It's um, it's very interested in art and in architecture, and um, it is a a place you know obviously in California as a place where many people retire. Uh, they're very concerned with traffic and transportation. Everything you've heard about California is true with regard to that. And so <laughs> uh, you know the letters to the editor about 
uh, architectural preservation in particular went way through the roof. It was about over a quarter of all the letters to the editor in July were about preserving various architectural sites around the city. And uh, about another quarter of it was about uh, they're they're actually building a. I learned a lot about Palm Springs through this project. <laughs> the uh, the AHL minor league hockey affiliate of the Seattle Kraken, the oh, new hey. team that's starting next year, is yeah. uh, is going to be in Palm Springs. And so there were quite a few letters after that was announced saying, "Is this going to increase our traffic? That there's going to oh, be no. a hockey arena downtown." <laughs> um, so these were intensely local concerns that, you know, not every community would, would experience a, a spike in arts and culture letters and in transportation uh, traffic letters. But that is what happened in Palm Springs. That, that's, that's very cool. And so like, you also wrote about a little bit and we'll get into what we observed, you know, more central to your work. But you know, they also observed like, you know, they didn't see a drop off really in readership when it came to the shift. No, the opposite, actually. Um, the uh, online readership of opinion content uh, that they tracked actually doubled, almost doubled in July. Uh, people were reading the stuff that came with the local opinion content. Um, you know, when it was, because when you get local op eds, they're not really from journalists, they're mostly from people writing in, whether it's business leaders or elected officials or people that are, you know, in charge of these local groups like. For example, the architectural preservation uh, groups that are around town, and so you know they're they're hearing from their neighbors. It it, it deprofessionalizes the newspaper and makes it sort of more accessible. And readership went up. It's interesting as well because it, it, it does kind of make sense. Like you know, many many folks are interested in national politics, but like you know, there's lots of folks in this country who are just kind of disengaged at the national level. And I imagine in a, in a state like California, which is fairly reliably one way or another during the presidential elections, it's the same, much the same way. But like, everybody's got an opinion about that new traffic light. Like, <laughs> it, it seems like it really does kind of bring it to a level that is very accessible in a way that I think lots of journalism does not necessarily perceive that as being inaccessible by focusing strictly on um, a small East Coast city in a swamp. <laughs> like, Right. No, and I think it it main it means it it accentuates the value that local news provides in the marketplace, which is you know you can get national opinion content literally anywhere all the time. Right. You can't get those local perspectives on local issues, and you know you get you get a sense of how complex some of these things are, and the local ins and outs of it, and you know the 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 hockey arena is being built next to the. Native American casino of the, you know, the Agua Caliente tribe there in Palm Springs. And so you have just that one example of something that's like, oh, it's Californians complaining about traffic. Well, really, it gets into all of these community relationships with the Native American tribe and with, you know, what does the downtown mean in an area that's kind of spread out and, and more, you know, around the whole Coachella Valley? You get a real sense of the ins and outs and the complexities of a community by by reading the letters to the editor and the op-eds for uh, for three months and coding them as I did. <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you weren't kidding. You were really into the Palm Springs community. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a way I was. I've actually not been there. <laughs> but, Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, well, we were supposed to go in March 2020, which as you may oh, have no. heard, uh, didn't, didn't work out for anybody to do anything. Um, <laughs> we had it all worked out. We were going to present our findings at a conference in San Diego and drive oh, up to Palm God. Springs. <laughs> And so now I'm not only did I not get to take that trip, but I uh, I've written a book about a place I've never been. But I have I have read so much of their newspaper that I do I do feel like I've been there. 
you have a favorite columnist and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I can, I could <laughs> talk about the newspaper like a local, no question. Amazing. Um, so, kind of backing out to your broader research, like, what did you kind of notice about polarization in the community, or at least even compared to, like, what was going on over in the in the control group? I, I guess I'll ask. Over in Ventura, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it just that's the thing is that if you if you just and they they didn't change, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever was going on there kept going on, which meant these national opinion columnists. You know, it meant E.J. Dion and Mark Thiessen and and just people that are sort of either pro or con the administration. Sure. Uh, and you're just getting a lot of that national argumentation. And it was you know this was July 2019, so there was a lot of commentary about the very first Democratic presidential debates. You know, it was coming off the heels. Late June was the the when Biden and Harris actually got into that debate confrontation about busing, right? right? And so there was, you know, didn't know what was coming with that, but the there was sort of a lot of talk about like what are the Democrats doing and can they beat Trump and what's going on with immigration and and so it was very noticeable when that went away in Palm Springs, but in Ventura it didn't. So you know, they just kept getting that same dosage of of national conflict. Yeah, and so when you looked at the data, and so you ran a second survey, is that right? Yeah, we ran a first survey at the end of June so to try to end it before the treatment started in July, and then at the end of July into early August, we we did the second wave, and it was about five hundred people in each city in each wave. Um, so I'll also thank LSU for helping to to pay for that. That's a very um, large city level survey. That's cool. It is, yeah. We worked with Qualtrics on that, and they were very helpful in getting us the cert- the samples we needed. Uh, but yeah, LSU, Texas A and M, University of Texas, we had a lot of help, and we were very grateful for that. Um, but it was it was uh, it, you needed that that size sample to detect these these changes. And um, and like I said, when when you see a natural experiment, you drop everything and go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what were some of the changes that you noticed? So yeah, we we wanted to, to check into affective polarization here. We weren't really able to measure something that specific in the previous article, which was just split ticket voting. But affective polarization is this idea that members of the two parties just don't like each other, and they they rate the other side as as more negative. Um, and and so we actually in the content there. In previous months, it had been about 25% of, of pieces on the opinion page mentioned either the Democratic or the Republican Party. In July, that dropped to only one in 10. So they just weren't talking about the parties as much, not even national politics, but just the parties at all. And maybe that's because California is kind of a one-party state. But it, either way, there was just less of it. So did that affect the way people saw the other side? We were really interested in that. Uh, and so we, we were able to measure that before and after. And those are obviously pretty deeply held beliefs. You know, how you feel about the other side. Do you, do you think that, you know, we, we, we measured it on a, a feel, what they call a feeling thermometer where you just say rate the other side from zero to a hundred. Um, and so that was how we were able to, to measure that. And, uh, and we found that, you know, there were, there were differences between the communities after July. What, what, what happened? Well, so among the kind of people that we might expect to be most attuned to this, so the uh, people who prefer to read the local newspaper, people who know more about politics, people who are more engaged in politics, in Palm Springs, polarization slowed down for them. So it didn't go, it didn't decrease, which sure. we kind of sort of expected. These are very, like I said, deeply held opinions and beliefs, but 
they did slow down relative to Ventura. You know, Trump was holding rallies that were controversial. There was a Democratic primary going on. There was a lot happening in national politics. And just when Ventura kept getting that, polarization went up. It went up a little bit among those groups in Palm Springs, but not nearly as much. And so there was a statistically significant difference there. So it slowed it down. And, you know, over the course of a month, when you only change two pages in a newspaper on a given day, yeah. we thought that was still a pretty powerful effect and uh, and definitely easy, you know something we could sort of easily measure it is interesting because again like when you mention like oh a lot of <clears throat> the issues move to development right like it is interesting to like remind folks that like there are there are polarizations in the world that are not simply left and right like nimby versus yimby and that kind of thing and like reminding that like you know democratic nimbys and republican nimbys have things in common at times it does seem interesting to to kind of illustrate that you know you wouldn't necessarily change your entire worldview about that but like that might change you know exactly how strongly that is you know no, I think so. And and when you're talking about local news, you're you're emphasizing a different identity than if you're talking about party politics. So if you lead with party politics, you're going to get people thinking like Democrats and Republicans. But if you lead with local news and local opinion and local concerns like we found they did in July of 2019, you emphasize that local identity. You know, we're both residents of the same area. We are both going to be affected by the traffic from this new arena. We both want to see this architectural landmark preserved. And it's a cross-cutting identity in that parties, uh, you know, like you say, Democrats and Republicans are both, can both have that same identity. Um, So we draw on on Liliana Mason's work. She's a political scientist at the University of Maryland uh, for that concept. But when you emphasize local, you cut across party. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting to kind of see. And so just from even just like a slight little experiment, have they repeated the experiment since or or have you seen any interest in this kind of thing moving beyond, you know, this one wonderful summer in, in, in beautiful Palm Springs? <laughs> yes, the, the, the Trump free July uh, that, that Palm Springs <laughs> had. Um, no, it, so it was they have not repeated it. Actually, their their experience is kind of a microcosm of what's happening in opinion journalism right now, which is that actually in. In late 2020, the opinion editor that ran this survey took, uh, or that ran this this month long experiment, uh, took the buyout that was offered by Gannett, ah. and so he he's gone, um, and which was too bad because the fact that he you know he'd been working for the newspaper for over 20 years, the fact that they had him was a, a major reason that they were able to do this thing, and they you know when you take a buyout that position is gone uh, so actually what the committee what the the community did was start a nonprofit organization that allowed them to raise money to to rehire a new opinion editor uh, so the community decided we think this is a valuable thing that we need to have and the executive editor Julie Mackinnon sort of led that charge and, and the community responded and they were able to just I think in the last couple of weeks uh, hire a new opinion editor. So you do need somebody on staff that can edit and solicit from the community and be in charge of something like this if you're going to do that. Um, and that's just sort of a luxury in most of these places now for local newspapers. If you can still have an opinion editor, uh, you're doing all right. And so, you know, the strong gets stronger here. If if local newspapers invest in opinion journalism, they might be able to reap some of the rewards of doing something like this. But if they can't afford an opinion editor, which again, given the steep declines uh, during the COVID era for, for local newspapers, they're just going to end up taking the cheaper content, which is national. 
for the most part. Interesting. Yeah. And so kind of where do you see taking this kind of research moving forward as well, too? Clearly, you have like a really interesting result here. But what else interests you in, in the local news space or just the news space in general? Well, there's just so much happening. I mean, there's there's these bills in front of Congress right now about collective bargaining between local newspapers with Facebook and Google. Um, there's just a lot of philanthropy in this space and these new nonprofit uh, local news organizations that are are starting up, or state level news organizations. We actually found that that was one of the important things in this study. Is California has a nonprofit service called Cal Matters that produces state level uh, columns and solicits uh, op eds about state politics. And the Desert Sun really leaned on that organization's work in July. Uh, they 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 took far more columns from Cal Matters. So in states that don't have that, you really it would be a lot harder to do something like this uh, because you wouldn't have that available to you. And that's you know a nonprofit organization that gives out state level content for free basically to newspapers. Um, so we're interested in that nonprofit news space. We'd love to measure an area. Um, where you know, there was a, a, a where philanthropists were investing in supporting nonprofit news, like starting a new newspaper or a newsletter in an area, uh, local news in that space. Uh, you know, not just like what happens if we change an existing source, but what happens if we start something new? Is that do people latch on to that? Is that something that could have similar type effects? Because fundamentally, local news is in a difficult spot right now, and. We, if we're going to advocate for it, if we're going to think that it can have these kind of good civic effects, we need some hard evidence to back that up. Uh, and so I think measuring experiments like this uh, is part of that solution, and we'd like to be a part of that. Excellent. That's very, very cool. So I guess where can folks find you? Where can folks find your work? And, and I'd yeah, just kind of love to hear where people can get a hold of you. <laughs> Sure. I'm on Twitter at Joshua Dar, D-A-R-R. And that's uh, joshuadar.com is, is my website. Uh, and I'm you know, here at LSU. <laughs> Sweet. You got a local newspaper that you like? Oh, yeah. The Advocate. Um, it's actually, a, we're, it's sort of weird. They, they're now the dominant newspaper in the state. So you have New Orleans is the bigger uh, city, but the Advocate now is headquartered in Baton Rouge, but there's a New Orleans advocate. They sort of took over that area. Um, so we actually have pretty pretty good state uh, state politics coverage, and I will put in a plug for LSU. We send students to the Capitol building to uh, to do real uh, state capital news reporting, and they often will get their stories placed in newspapers across the state. I think they placed something like 400 stories last year. So we're doing our part here at LSU. <laughs> That's great. That's good stuff. Yeah, I like I like the Queen's Daily Eagle. It's a uh, it's it's good. It, you know, there's a lot of really great stuff out there. So, either way, thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. Hey, really glad to talk to you. I would like to thank Joshua Dar so much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, the book is Home Style Opinion: How Local Newspapers Can Slow Polarization. Uh, this again has been a production of Numlock News, a daily morning newsletter that you should definitely check out. That's available at numlocknews.com. Uh, and hey, thank you for listening. If you enjoy this, uh, don't hesitate to give us a star rating. I'm of the understanding that apparently the iTunes store really, really likes that. So it would be very, very cool if you did that. And if there's anybody that you would like to see featured in this or, or a book that you think that we should talk about on this, don't hesitate to get in touch. Thank you.